Welcome to the Satiated Podcast, where we explore physical and emotional hunger and satiation and healing your relationship with your food and body. I'm your host, Stephanie Mara Fox, your somatic nutritional counselor. Today, we are joined by Sarah Lavelle. Sarah is a clinical psychologist and owner of New York Health Hypnosis and Integrative Therapy, where she became an expert and advocate for people struggling with weight, sugar, and binge eating. Her work with eating disorders has been highly recognized with articles about her and her team appearing in Forbes, Prevention, Elle Magazine, New York Times, and New York Magazine. She is soon to be launching Be A Better Eating, a mindfulness-based app to help people with their relationship with food. Sarah's passion for supporting individuals trust their bodies again is inspiring, and I'm so excited to chat with her today. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, I know we've chatted in the past and it's so nice to meet somebody who's so like-minded and wants to get out of this like diet, 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 and just kind of focus on body awareness. So I'm thrilled to be here and I can't thank you enough for inviting me. Yeah. We've had conversations before and we live actually like across the United States from each other. And I think when I met you, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so profound that someone literally is saying like the (laughs) same things that I say. So I'm excited to dive in more today. And as we kind of get started, I would love to just hear more about how you got into this work and how did your work evolved over the years? You know, it's interesting because I originally wasn't even thinking I'd be working with weight. You know, I learned hypnotherapy as an adjunct to my clinical psychology education. Mm -hmm. You know, I just felt like there was something missing and I wanted something more holistic. Now, I love having psychology as the basis for everything, but being able to help people with mindfulness and hypnotherapy really like is very inspiring for people and very empowering because it's getting out of the classical psychology model of, you know, you have a you have a disorder, you have this, you have that. And just the whole framework of hypnotherapy is, well, let's focus on what you want to be and how you want to achieve it as opposed to like let's think in terms of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. However, hypnotherapy is something people really come to for weight issues. So, you know, I learned hypnotherapy And all of a sudden I had a lot of people, even if it wasn't their primary concern would say, Hey, while I'm here, you know, I've really been struggling with snacking and I just dove into it. I saw how how much people were struggling. You know, I started taking eating disorder classes through my PhD program, but more Mm. than that, I just read so many books on it and so many scripts and the scripts for hypnotherapy were all about body awareness. And I find it interesting that we have this culture that tries to teach people how to diet. And yet people who naturally eat well, they're not counting calories. People who naturally eat well actually just have more body awareness. So when I found how powerful hypnosis could be for this and how many patients like that had actually made a big change for them, it's really all I wanna focus on is helping people really heal from this because I find that a lot of my patients actually don't care about their weight. They really don't. What they Mm -hmm. care about is that they have this intention for themselves. And they're like, okay, I'm going to eat perfectly. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they feel so badly about themselves. And that causes them in this binge cycle. And when you can heal that, then they can actually focus on other areas of their life. They can focus on their relationship. They might find out what's really going on deep down. So I love removing this first layer and just helping them feel good about themselves and their choices again. And it seems like such a freeing thing for so Mm -hmm. many people. Yeah. What I really hear you saying is also once we understand the meaning that is being made around the focus of weight, Mm -hmm. that actually addressing like the underlying meaning 
mm-hmm. actually makes more profound shifts and healing occur than attending to the weight itself. Absolutely. It's never about the weight. Mm-hmm. It never is. It's about like feeling something this emotional and wanting it to go away suddenly. And, you know, for some people that's drugs, for some people that's food, for some people that's on um, the zoning out to TV. But, you know, there's so much you can heal by healing your relationship with food because food is nourishment. When did it get so complicated? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Where when we shift that, oh, I can enjoy and feel the pleasure from eating again. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, all the things that got wrapped up around the relationship with food of even putting so much expectation on, I need this meal to feel like it provides me the love, acceptance, Mm -hmm. pleasure, nourishment, all the things that I'm looking for. That it's like, okay, allow food to be nourishing. And let's also find Mm -hmm. other ways for you to receive emotionally what you're wanting as well. Yeah. Because isn't it a shame if you do this thing for pleasure and you're trying to feel better and then you end up feeling worse? It's like you never end up getting out of it what you think you are anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious because I know how passionate you are about mm-hmm. body trust. And mm-hmm. let's start with what do you, in your experience, find breaks someone's trust in their body? And then what have you found heals it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I question. think well, we're going we're gonna to need a, a few more <laughs> podcasts for that one. Um, I mean, I really think it starts at a young age and, you know, in this culture and a lot of cultures, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we get a lot of messages that d- from our parents that just systematically teach us not to trust our bodies, right? I was actually just reflecting on it this morning. Um, I have four-year-old twins mm-hmm. and my little girl had actually eaten two meals and we had a babysitter over and she's like, oh no, you've already had two meals. You, you can't be hungry. And I was like, I was like, no, she's hungry. She's hungry, right? Mm-hmm. And there's something I think very damaged about telling somebody not not only don't eat more, but you shouldn't be hungry, right? And yeah. it's like, and I had a like, and my and in all fairness, my babysitter did not say don't you, you shouldn't be hungry, but I have but clients. So many individuals receive that message. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And it's like, okay, well, maybe you know, it's not time to give her candy, but if she's hungry, I don't want her to lose trust in her body, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe she's going through a growth spurt. Maybe she just ran around at the playground and burned a lot of calories. Right. I mean, bodies are bodies. And, you know, if we're hungry, we're hungry. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you're cutting off your hunger signals. Right. However, we're also taught at a young age to cut off our satiation signals. I mean, think about the clean plate club. Right. Yeah. You can't do anything until you finish everything. Right. And so it's like maybe you're not hungry that day or maybe, you know, it's you're being forced to eat these vegetables as opposed to just like trying it and seeing if you like it, but you have this reaction to it as a child. It's like, you don't like the taste. And so I think it's starting at a young age, you know, we're just taught these things, right? Like in our childhood, but then it goes further into society, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was reading that, you know, it's a large percentage of five-year-old girls are already unhappy with their bodies. Yeah. And when you think about it, to be a model or a ballerina or there, I've worked with a lot of patients who almost by definition to keep their career have to lie in the anorexic range. Mm-hmm. So we have these little girls, little boys aspiring to look like the people on TV and all of a sudden they don't want to eat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And you know, what I'm really hearing is how young 
it starts. And it starts with the messages we were receiving at home, even from babysitters, from Mm -hmm. family. And then it moves into the messages that we're also receiving from the culture as well, because Mm -hmm. we have all this stigma around how you're supposed to look and even Mm -hmm. stigma around certain careers that maybe you want to go into you have to have a certain body shape to go into that career. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a study of um, young girls and it's a very simple study that I'm paraphrasing, Mm -hmm. but they asked them to draw pictures of successful women, what they think successful women look like and successful men. Mm -hmm. And even at a very young age, they'll tend to draw successful women as very thin Mm -hmm. and successful men at all different shapes and sizes. Right. And so this is, there's this idea, like, even for our careers, we have to be this certain weight and size, right? And when did it become this way? Yeah, it's been, Um, you know, centuries of, you know, it's interesting to also look up the uh, kind of norms that have been set Mm -hmm. decade after Mm -hmm. decade, which brings it this kind of like different perspective of like, oh, "Oh, wow, we, we can't ever like get it quote unquote, right. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, every decade, like Mm -hmm. the fitness culture, diet Mm -hmm. culture, (laughs) clothing culture is deciding for us. What is the the ideal body Mm -hmm. shape? What is the ideal body shape? And I don't want to make it sound like it's just girls or women, but it's everybody has historically been more pressure. You know, you think about it in a historical context, you think about the fact that for a long time, women weren't able to work and support themselves, right? So the only way to act like our survival in some ways has been linked to being attractive and marriable, right? So you think about this, even mothers with good intentions would want to teach their children to be, you know, thin and desirable and what they think is going to be accepted as attractive because they want to ensure their child's survival, right? Or countries where the only form of income is land and women aren't legally allowed to own land. So I don't think historically anybody's had bad intentions. Mm -hmm. However, this focus on looks, I mean, it's so ingrained in, you know, not just now, but I mean, centuries back, right? And to try to overcome that is, you know, it's a, it's a powerful force. Mm -hmm. So what have you found working with individuals around this, uh, stepping back into body trust and also trusting their Mm -hmm. hunger and their fullness cues Mm -hmm. and saying like, oh, I am hungry. I just because I just ate 20 minutes Mm -hmm. ago, I can eat Mm -hmm. again. And just because Mm -hmm. I feel satiety that like, I don't have to push past this. What else Mm -hmm. you have found really has supported someone in stepping back into that body trust? I mean, there's so many things, right? I mean, a lot of times as a psychologist, you're going to examine like, you know, the messages that they're given and, and really try to do that reprogramming, mm-hmm. right? Think about it. Okay. Well, do you agree with what your parents were teaching you? Right. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do visualizations about like reparenting, right. Mm-hmm. And have you picture yourself as a mother to a small child or like you do a visualization on this idealized mother. What, what would she have told you around food? Right. Mm-hmm. Another thing is I am a big fan of the hunger scale for somebody who has like really struggles with awareness and doesn't trust their bodies yeah. because, you know, they'll start out saying, Oh, my body won't tell me when I'm full. And then mm-hmm. you'll ask them, you know, to, I, I'm not very big into tracking. However, I will ask people to reflect upon like, say, Hey, you know what? Why don't you throughout the week, why don't you notice and like, look at the scale and tell me and try to pay attention the next time that you feel too full and see where you are in the scale. Right. And a lot of times like that awareness will be like, Oh, I actually did notice that I was too full and uncomfortable. 
Yeah. And, you know, and when you tell yourself, I can't eat because I'm dieting, I can't eat because I'm dieting, you, you forget that actually your body's telling you something. Mm-hmm. And the more awareness you could bring to somebody, the more they do start to trust their bodies because our bodies will tell us when we're hungry and our bodies will tell us when we're full. Yeah. And just to kind of put a framework around that, I find that when someone has been maybe uh, calorie counting, for example, mm-hmm. for a really long time, mm-hmm. that actually rating your hunger and fullness cues on a scale from one to 10 mm-hmm. can be a baby step. You yeah. know, you're still getting to mm-hmm. use the numbers, mm-hmm. but you're slowly moving away from relying yes. on the calorie counting and more yes. using the numbers mm-hmm. to support you and facilitate you and yes. tuning back into your body. Yes. I think there's a big difference between literally counting and have a, having a mindful awareness of mm-hmm. what you eat, right? I mean, all the research would say that actually counting calories, you know, especially for people with eating disorders can really backfire yeah. and it could be really triggering, right? So how do you balance that? You don't want people, like some people are going to be in such denial that they don't want to look at it at all, but you don't want them to do the opposite, right? Where they're like literally tracking every little meal and then getting into some kind of a shame spiral. Yeah. And then ultimately what happens when someone is using an external tool Mm -hmm. to track Mm -hmm. their eating, it Mm -hmm. further breaks that trust in the body that it's like, oh, I can't listen to you. I need to listen to this external thing over myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Any external tool, whether it's an app or it's a person who's creating a meal plan for you, they Mm -hmm. don't know what your body's craving at that time. Right. I mean, a general meal plan, which would say, you know, it's better, you know, maybe like, let's create some goals together, but something specific, like our bodies change, our needs change, our wants and desires change. Yeah. I know you also teach individuals around kind of like toxic, like dieting can be Mm -hmm. to the body and how it breaks Mm -hmm. that trust. And so I would Mm -hmm. love for you to expand on that Mm because right now, as this is being recorded, we're in January. And so we're in this time of year that Mm -hmm. diet ads are just everywhere oh, and they feel everywhere. they can feel very alluring especially if you have oh. one of those moments where it's just like mm-hmm. well maybe if i could just change my body then i'll get what i'm looking for and so i think it could be a mm-hmm. great reminder at this time of year mm-hmm. to even start talking about why it won't give you what you're looking for no exactly it's not going to give you love it's not going to give you acceptance it's not going to give you these things and also you know on that note it's like Sometimes psychologically, people almost will do this thing where it's like they'll make these rules for themselves. I can't get that job interview until I lose this weight. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and so by eating like more than their body needs, it's actually a way of pushing that off. But the reason I do think that counting calories, counting points, whatever it is that you're counting, is systematically taking you away from trusting your body. Because similarly to when you're a child and your parents are telling you, you have to clean your plate or you can't be hungry because you just ate. Think about this. Like, say you have, you know, 1500 calories that you're going to eat that day or 2000 calories or whatever number it is that, that you decided. Yeah. That you've been told or your you've brain has told. created that like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to eat. That is completely mm-hmm. arbitrary. That comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I find two main problems with that kind of like calorie counting point counting, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. from a psychological perspective. Yeah. So first of all, say, you know, your goal was this um, 1800 calories and you had 1500 calories, but you're actually pretty satiated. Of course, you're going to stuff in those extra 300, Mm -hmm. right? 
Meat, like at the same time, if you eat your 1800 and you're still hungry, you're gonna deny it, right? So like that's systematically teaching you away from it. The other problem I see is like people look at it as calorie is just a calorie. And when you don't trust your body and don't ask your body what it needs, you might just think, well, I like candy bars more than I like, you know, proteins and vegetables and grains and things that are nourishing. So you could literally just eat four candy bars in that day and you'd be walking around starving, Mm -hmm. right? And thinking, what's wrong with me? I had my 2000 calories today. Like, why am I still hungry with like no awareness of it? Yeah. Yeah. And just for those who are listening, we're throwing out random numbers that also (laughs) don't mean anything. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Right. I was intentionally trying to choose examples that were larger, not to like assume that it was smaller, but it's like talking about numbers at all is triggering. Right. It's yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to make that note that even if hearing these numbers, it's like, oh, wait, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? It's like, uh -uh, we're just throwing it out as an example. As we're talking about this, you get to notice, like, how do you feel in your body, even hearing numbers? Because Mm -hmm. oftentimes diet culture can leave such a sense of a, a lack of safety in the body of, I can't trust myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I hear my patients say all the time, well, my hunger is just too big, Mm -hmm. right? There's something wrong with my level of hunger. That's Mm -hmm. why I binge, right? Yeah. And it's even that mentality of this is too big that even sets someone up to end up often, I'll phrase this as like potentially eating more than their body is telling the feedback Mm -hmm. that it's telling you that Mm -hmm. it needs based Mm -hmm. off of you're already telling yourself you can't listen to your hunger Mm -hmm. cues Mm -hmm. that leaves you feeling unsafe in your body or leaves you feeling overwhelmed or leaves Mm -hmm. you feeling disconnected. And then eating brings you back into your body. Uh And so it becomes this cycle. Uh Something I've really been thinking about this year that even intuitive eating, if taken too literally, like, so there's mm-hmm. such a strong link between perfectionism and eating disorders, right? Mm-hmm. One, one of the really interesting articles I came across this year is that people with eating disorders, they had these people like unrelated intentionally make mistakes and people with eating disorders tended to blame themselves a lot more than the average person, right? And so people with eating disorders, a lot of times, and I don't even like the term eating disorder, but you know, they do judge themselves even with intuitive eating and like body awareness, you, you want to be careful to like, say, you know what, it also doesn't need to be perfectly intuitive. You know, you can't like, cause then you get like, they don't have patients like, Oh no, I ate past the six on the <laughs> hunger scale. Like there's, yeah. you know, it was a birthday party and I was celebrating. It's like, well, you know what? Like you're allowed to do that sometimes, you know? And like, how do we allow this flexibility with like, even this body awareness, even intuitive eating, even these things to like say, you know what, we can have some variation. It's more like that if we find ourselves always going to food for things that it's not meant to do, it's about like mitigating that as opposed to, hey, I really want to celebrate. I'm okay with eating a little too much today or more than my body needs today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how you're normalizing that, that that mm-hmm. actually gets to be, uh, you know, I also don't love the word normal, but if we were kind of like normal eating <laughs> and I'm putting that in quotation, uh, yeah. <laughs> that like if we were kind of mm-hmm. going to include that sometimes overeating is a part of normal eating, it brings yeah. in so much spaciousness mm-hmm. that it's Absolutely. just like, it's not like you need to hit it 
perfectly every single time. Nothing has to be rigid, even 80-20, the 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of it, right? Because it's like, it allows for like, you know what? One of five times it could be like more than your body needs. But then if you take that too literally, like, oh no, what today it was (laughs) 75-25. Yeah, yeah. It's such an evolving process Mm -hmm. that it's not something that can be like, oh, I'm going to eat this particular food and this amount of food and these exact meals every Mm -hmm. single day. And that ultimately even doing that, even if it works for you for a month, two months, three months, at some point, because the body's constantly changing, it's going to bring in different messages of, "Mm, excuse me, I need something different now. And if we're not Mm -hmm. able to hear that cue as well, you know, that can also break that relationship with the body and its cues. Absolutely. Our body needs different things at all times. I think when people feel badly about things, it's really about when they know that they did something for maladaptive reasons, right? Or like trying Mm -hmm. to heal something that can't be healed or like that shouldn't be, that you can't heal with food, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like, for instance, if you're going to go to food for love, you know, you'll eat a little and think, well, I don't, I still don't feel love. I must need more, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I still don't feel love. Maybe I need more. And, you know, it's that like, it's like displaced fulfillment, right? And yeah, it's exaggerated. Yeah. And also just bringing in of what we were just referencing of it's that balance between, okay, when you do that, bringing in that, okay, that was okay that I chose food to try to receive love. And oh, wait, I did it again. And oh, wait, I did it again. And I'm still not getting what I'm looking for. Sometimes you have to like do the pattern over and over again to even realize you're not getting what you're looking for. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you have to recognize a pattern, right? Again, that rigidity. It's not like, hey, I noticed this one thing. It's going to be easy. It's, it's like continuing to get back on the horse. Yeah. So you are about to come out with a new app and I would love for you to talk about that more because I think it's really interesting of the work that we're both in as we hold Mm -hmm. space for individuals Mm -hmm. at a certain amount of time, but then there's all this space in between when we see them. (laughs) That's my main thing. You know, it's, I have a lot of reason for creating this app, but mainly it's, I see my patients for 25 minutes a week and I'm not there in the middle of the night. I'm not there in between the sessions. And then also I'm a real person. You know, it's funny. Um, when I started working remotely, I actually noticed my patients open up more to me. Mm. You know, you don't always want to tell a real person how you're eating when you're embarrassed about it. But the more a person seems virtual in some ways, it's like this nice interplay between you don't want to text your therapist 20 times in a week. You don't want to bother your friends with this. You know, it might be shameful, might be embarrassing, but it's available all the time. Right. And it's, and it's this idea that, you know, it's not going to judge you, right? So just talking about the app a little bit, it's automated as if you're talking to a real person, mm-hmm. but it's not giving diet advice in any way. So it's based on three different concepts, plan, which is just setting a mindful intention for the day, motivate, like, Hey, I'm struggling in the moment. Um, could you help me with some mindfulness exercises? Can we do some visualizations? And then three, the third is meditate. And these are headspace quality recordings geared specifically towards better eating that helps people with body awareness. So the idea is that you can chat with me at any time all day and get this help that you need in the moment. And it's not like, Hey, don't eat this. It's, Hey, Well, before you're about to eat this, let's just reflect for a minute and see if something more is going on. And then you also, there's the two parts, right? There's the chat 
And then there's also this dashboard that you could start to identify patterns by yourself. Cool. So you could look and say, hey, you know what? All the frowny faces, which are just moods, not not like oh, not like good bad. or bad. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> this is yeah, like exactly. what was the main mood but, in this moment? But the day, yeah. yeah, exactly. The day that I wasn't feeling as good. Actually, those are the days um, that I fought with my girlfriend. You know, or you know, actually, the days that I was really great. I did yoga all those mornings, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you're gradually learning more and more about yourself, and it's not meant to replace therapy by any means. It's yeah. um, it's an adjunct to it. Right. And my real hope and what we're finding, you know, in our preliminary studies is that and it's consistent with the other research out there is that apps don't take people away from therapy. Apps actually help people realize, you know what, I do have something more going on and it increases their likelihood that they'll go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I'm really hearing is it, it's another tool and, you know, like tools can be supportive or sometimes not, but Mm -hmm. here it's a tool to facilitate more awareness. What's really going on here? Are there actually any patterns and connections Mm -hmm. that I can actually start to create? And that change, I I talk about this a lot in my work Mm -hmm. as well. Change starts with awareness. You cannot change Mm -hmm. what you are not aware of. You can exactly, exactly. And also, I mean, all these apps are kind of like, are kind of insulting, Mm -hmm. right? If you're, it's just going to give you all this diet advice. It's mm-hmm. not like people are going to be like, oh my God, really? A cookie is more calories than an apple? I had no idea, yeah. right? It's it's this awareness, right? And almost every other app on the market really is about counting calories mm-hmm. and tracking food. And, you know, there are definitely some that are better than others. But what I find interesting is they always advertise is if you stick with this for two months, we'll show that you lost 20 pounds. Yet the research will show about only 3% of people who start tracking in that way using apps stay on for more than a week. So that's great. You're like, if you stay on this for two, two months, you'll definitely lose weight if you're one of those lucky 3%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that even mm-hmm. in addition to that, that if it is a diet mm-hmm. mentality that oh. 95% of them fail. So that also leaves exactly a special well, 5%. <laughs> yeah. And then you feel like a failure. It's worse than if you never did at all. Right. So it's like, instead of advertising that, you know, this will help you lose weight. It should really be advertised as most people who try this will end up feeling like a failure, Yeah, right? which just continues to fuel mm-hmm. that I can't trust my body. I can't like, trust my if body. I can't commit to this. If I can't show mm-hmm. up for this, oh, I can't stick to this diet. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. That's another example mm-hmm. of how I can't trust mm-hmm. my body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't trust my actions. I can't trust my body. I can't do this. I'm, I can't do anything right. And, and what happens when you feel like you can't do anything right, you're more likely to binge. You know, they find even with things like alcohol and drug abuse, it's actually the more you beat yourself up, the more likely you are to keep engaging in the behavior, right? Whereas beating yourself feels protective as if it's going to stop you from doing something. But if you think you're a good person who can accomplish a lot and just made a mistake, you're going to go back to getting back on the horse. If you think you're a failure, you can't do anything right. You mess up and you're like, okay, I'm a failure. You might as well keep messing up. Yeah. What, what I hear in that is, is it's less actually about the action that's happening mm-hmm. and more about your response to it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That's the th- I find a, a huge piece that's missing when, you know, we see a, we're bombarded with all these like fitness and diet ads is that mm-hmm. sense of compassion over mm-hmm. this isn't about your sense of willpower or compliance mm-hmm. or being able to stick to itiveness yeah. that actually mm-hmm. it's about what really is going on deeper here. And that what are mm-hmm. your intentions of wanting to do these things mm-hmm. that actually is just guiding you towards ways that you want to feel that mm-hmm. you're not feeling in your body or things that you mm-hmm. want in your life that maybe aren't happening. Actually, it's interesting. As you're talking, I was just thinking how when we conceptualize in terms of willpower, Mm. that's why we think then is equated to success, right? Because we just Mm -hmm. then assume that person has more willpower, Mm -hmm. right? When it's just not true, right? If that were true, then you wouldn't see successful people in all shapes and sizes, right? (laughs) Yeah. A few podcast episodes ago, uh, we were talking about how there's uh, 108 different factors that affects your body and its expression oh. of its shape that is not oh. in your control. Oh, <laughs> there was like a, a yeah. study that came, like, all oh, of the, they, we're trying to make it so mm-hmm. simple that mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, just do these things and you can mm-hmm. have control over your body. And like, that's, mm-hmm. we, we really have very little control over our body. Like if you even think about it right mm-hmm. now, you're probably mm-hmm. listening to this and you're not actively making mm-hmm. your earbuds listen. Mm-hmm. You're not actively forcing mm-hmm. your body to breathe. It is just mm-hmm. happening. It's just happening. That's the thing. And we're not confused about drinking water, mm-hmm. right? We're not like, oh, I need to make sure I only drink this amount of water at this time of day, right? We might say, I want to drink more water, but like, we don't like try to limit it. We don't try to like change it in any way. We accept our body wants water when it's thirsty and that will stop when it's satiated. Yeah. So if you feel like there was a message you wanted our listeners to take away of like, hey, here's a baby step to start to step back into that body trust. What do you find is, because mm-hmm. I like to break things down in those bite-sized mm-hmm. baby steps. What do you find is a, a baby step, a bite-sized step that someone could take mm-hmm. towards that body trust? I'd like to do an exercise. I mean, there's so many directions I could take. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. I do like this whole idea of like re-messaging, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when somebody's really struggling, sometimes I'll just say, you know, as a starting point, why don't you actually write down all the negative messaging? you got as a child and rewrite it just as an additional, as an additional exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Like the message is you're not acceptable. If you're not thin, whether that was conveyed directly or indirectly, you rewrite that too. You could be happy at any size. And, you know, like if you were getting the message that you can't trust your body, rewrite it that you can trust your body. Right. And like, just as a first step, like really examining the messages, where they came from, and see how you could change it as something positive for you, I think is just a first step in healing. Yeah, I love that. And that you start to shift the inner dialogue with, mm-hmm. let's say it's, it's a, you know, I like to identify the part that is also kind of maybe saying that, that let's say it's like an inner child that's like, no, I can't be acceptable in this body. That it's like, you get to be the parent, the friend, the teacher, the ally that that inner child always needed Mm -hmm. and tell them the messages they have needed to hear that actually, I know that someone told you that this at some point in time, and I'm going to give you a very different message. And if I have to tell you that every single day, I'm going to. Absolutely. Right. And then it's also, you know, the indirect messages are more powerful than the direct messages, right? Like, it's one thing for a parent to say, you know, I don't like your weight, right? 
But it's actually much worse if the parent says nothing about your weight, but they're going around kind of like making fun of people's weights, Mm -hmm. especially if they're making fun of people's weights that are smaller than you. You hear that message loud and clearly, whether it said it directly or not. Yeah. I'm so glad you're bringing in this reminder. You know, I've heard that a lot with those that I've worked with as well, that actually it wasn't a message that they directly received. Mm -hmm. It was how their mom or their dad Mm -hmm. constantly were making comments on other people's bodies Mm -hmm. and our young minds interpret that of, oh, they're saying negative things about that body shape. So for me to make sure that I'm going to be accepted as part of this family unit, I can't be that body shape. Absolutely. Like other people's body or their own, right? Yeah. had a lot of patients who with very thin mothers who would always call themselves fat, be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I look fat in this dress. Oh, I look fat here. And then they look at their own bodies and be like, wow, she's thinner than me. And she thinks she's fat. What does that mean? I am right. Mm -hmm. These messages are heard loud and clearly. Yeah. Yeah. It goes so deep. There are just so many layers that, like you said, even really getting very curious about where this messaging is coming from and how you have internalized and interpreted it, Mm -hmm. because that has basically created the groundwork, the framework of how you are relating with your food and body currently. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, I feel like we could just talk forever just as we started off. I'm like, oh my gosh, we could go in so many different directions. Uh, I want to leave time for you to also speak to how can individuals keep in touch with Mm -hmm. you and your work and this app and, you know, where they can Mm -hmm. they find you on social media and, you know, anything's new that you have coming out. Thank you. I mean, I love connecting with people. So, and I'm, I'm somebody just connect with me directly. So, you know, I love inviting people into our practice, learning how we practice. You know, we do specialize in eating disorders, but we also specialize in insomnia, anxiety, OCD, a number of things under the umbrella of mindfulness and hypnotherapy and reaching out to me in my practice directly at Sarah at New York health hypnosis.com. And that's just S-E-R-A at um, nyhealthhypnosis.com is a great way to reach me for my practice. If anybody who's curious about the app, wants to connect, wants to collaborate in some way, it's Sarah at beabettereating.com. Um, you can find these all on, I believe it's pet podcast. Um, and you yep. can always connect with our social media um, that will also be listed as well. Yeah. So I am going to include all of your email addresses and the links to all of your social media. You put out great posts on Instagram. I I follow them. And uh, so I will put all of that in the show notes. And I just want to thank you for being here and having this important conversation and sharing your wisdom and that hopefully we can have you come back in the future. And even as the app kind of like gets up and running, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear about how that's going. And so uh, Mm -hmm. definitely keep us updated. I'd love it. Thank you so much. And I agree. We could, I could talk about this for hours, <laughs> but we have to limit it to a certain time. So I'd love to come back sometime. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. And for everybody who's listening, thank you for tuning in this week. And I will be in touch with you all very soon. Bye.